It's the Hoffman Show. We are on the Team 980. We are live always on the Free Odyssey app and streaming on YouTube at the Team 980, where you see uh, Trevor Sikama, his very well done hair, very <laughs> manicured beard, and a reminder that I like to do radio, and then I remember that I'm on video, <laughs> Trevor. You do this to me every time we sit next to Sorry, you get more sleep than I do. i got to wake up, you know. Two hours early to do the hair. No, not quite. Not quite that. But no, uh, no. it's it's always good to be. With you gotta have friend. a system. I do. I, well, I do have a system. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And I actually didn't. Start, and that's what we love about you. I actually didn't start blow drying my hair until like a year ago. Let me tell you, it saves a lot of time. Revolutionized, especially if you have like a good blow dryer. I I honestly didn't understand how people got their hair to stay in certain spots, and they're like, yeah, you got to blow dry it. I was like, oh. oh. So All right, that's are. our interview. Now we have, uh, we've dude, yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You got the most interesting mock draft of any of them out there, but we're going to talk about hair. Oh, um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So especially for Washington, uh, it's funny because I keep looking up, you know, all right, let me double check, make sure this person hasn't put out a new mock draft, whatever. Uh, and every single guest I've had on so far has had Drake May mocked too. Now, Matt Miller from ESPN sat down yesterday and he's like, funny story, uh, if I could do that mock again, I'd have Jaden Daniels. And then I looked up yours, sir, and you, you, you do it the right way. You've got trades in your mock draft, and not one, boys and girls. Trevor Sikama's got two <laughs> trades for the Commanders in his mock draft, down to wherever Denver is, and then back up to ten 12, for the Jets. 12 yeah, to down 10. down yeah. to twelve, yep. up to ten. Yep. Ultimately, they get a boatload of picks in JJ McCarthy. Walk me through the uh, your Adam Peters impression here. Yeah, so you know, I I think that Washington's going to be open to absolutely everything. Right, It is a new everything in Washington, and I think that with it is going to come a willingness to do whatever they think they need to do, new ownership, obviously new coach, new regime, everything, to set themselves up for the future. Now, of course, I think that that probably includes taking a quarterback. You know, I think that they will look at trading up, and the only place to trade up is one spot. I think they will probably call Chicago and see what that price is, see right. if Chicago wants to move down, see if they have an opportunity to go get themselves Caleb Williams, who would be the hometown kid. Great story. I feel like they are, I, I feel as though they are really going to try that, and, and they are really going to try to make that happen. Um, we'll see if it does. I mean, it's, it, the price has got to be worth it, obviously, and then Chicago has to, um, <coughs> excuse me, Chicago would then have to feel good about Drake, May, you know, right. assuming that Caleb's going to go number one. So I think there's some variable things that you got to think about when it comes to what Washington would do to trade up and what Chicago would have to do to trade down. However, I also think that they're going to be in conversation to move back as far as outside the top 10. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to do that, right. but I am saying that this regime is going to explore every single option. And Let's say Washington gets done with their quarterback evaluation and they go, it's basically Caleb or nobody. And they try to get up to number one. Chicago goes, no, we're sticking with Caleb Williams number one. Well, if they're at number two, maybe they don't want to just pick a quarterback for the sake of picking a quarterback. Maybe instead they'd rather look at a situation where they go, okay, let's pick another team that is very high on Jaden Daniels, very high on Drake May, and say – Let's go get two first-round picks for the next two years and absolutely dominate the top 50 for the yeah. next two, three seasons. Right. And they could be in a situation where that's what I did in that mock draft. I explored a reality where Washington would be open to moving all the way down to 12 with Denver, Denver because I think Denver is going to be one of those teams that's going to be very aggressive to go move up to go get one of those quarterbacks. Right. Drake May could be that guy, absolutely. So they move back to Denver. They get you know three first-round picks for it, obviously 12 being one of them. And then I have them popping up and trading a, a little bit higher up to jump Minnesota at number 11 for J.J. McCarthy as J.J. Mm-hmm. McCarthy is still there. So that was kind of my thought process there is I think I get some feedback from people that said, hey, 
if Washington's going to be in on the quarterback class and you're going to have them taking a quarterback at 10, why would they move out at two? Well, that is my, kind of my explanation to that is maybe they don't love the non-Caleb yeah. Williams It's actually options. about the draft capital. It's not about the quarterback. Correct. And so that is kind of the conversation that I wanted to start about how flexible I believe this new commander's ownership regime, everything is going to be. Trevor Sycamore, Pro Football Focus, with us here on the Hoffman Show. So I actually really like this, and I realize that I I feel like I'm in a safe space now to explore this thought process because every anytime you say, like, you know, any kind of – like, basically I get the same feedback you do, right, where it's like, just take the quarterback at two. Why are you overthinking and this? And they might. And, and, you, and like, they you might. Don't, you don't have the chance to be here very often. And I think what – like, I, I, I almost wonder if people are learning the wrong lessons from Mahomes. Right, which sounds crazy because everyone's like, yeah, the lesson from Mahomes is you need a baller at quarterback. And I'm like, no, if that baller is Patrick Mahomes, you need Patrick Mahomes. But the level that you have to get to is he's one of one. So if you think Caleb, for instance, is capable of making that one of two, you do it. But I think the lesson is more of look at the other teams who get there. Look at the other teams who, who have had success recently. They have more well-rounded rosters. Pat erases so much that no other quarterback can. Right. And so I would rather have the multiple picks over multiple years here to build up the roster. It's a theory. I don't know that I fully believe it, but I also don't think it's definitely – it's, like, unviable. No, look, and I think people get the wrong – they get the wrong view of mock drafts. Like, the point of doing a mock draft isn't necessarily so every mock draft is exactly the same. Now, we're kind of at the point of the year where we're predicting mocks instead right. of just kind of, like, saying, hey, this is what we would do or here. Or like, oh, Right, you're starting to get information. You're that, talking to people. That mock draft that I did a couple of weeks ago was one of the last mock drafts that I'll kind of do where it's like, hey, this is sort of what I'm hearing, but it's also a little bit of what would this look like if something like this happened. A lot of mock drafts that I'll do from this point on will be kind of predicting what might end up happening. And I think to the people out there that might be listening to this, yes, it's it's more it's more likely that if they want a quarterback, they're probably just going to stick it to and take sure. whoever is at number two. But to your point, if if they don't believe that any of these guys are necessarily a Mahomes level – Go build the roster the way that you need to, right? Especially with a lot of the turnover that they've had, the way that they handled the trade deadline, the things that they need to, to do to improve, I think, both trenches specifically. Yes. Um, this this is probably something that's going to take a little bit of time. And you've got a new coaching staff in there as well. They're going to want to get their new guys in there. The best way to do that is through the draft. And I think you can set yourself up for a great situation over the next couple of years to have a lot of top 50 picks and create that team and really start that winning window probably in you know the beginning stages of 2025, 2026, and only getting better and more open from that. And point. to be clear, uh, in the trades that Trevor pulled off here, uh, pulled off, he was negotiating with himself. Great job by, <laughs> yeah, you, by the way. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate uh, it. It was you, tough. You modeled that trade down to 12, the initial trade, the first of the two, after one that Adam Peters was involved in, the Trey Lance trade, yes. and the Niners traded up right. uh, with the Dolphins, however many years ago that was, to get to three and ultimately took Lance. Obviously, that didn't work out, except for they made the Super Bowl anyway because they built out the roster, so, you know, who knows. The the, the paths are not straight this time of year, Yes. Uh, nor will they be for the next couple of years. Let's talk about the players themselves, then, that we're talking about here, then. Let's let's double click on McCarthy. Where are you at with him? Where do you rank him? And like, what's the gap? Assuming that he's QB four, uh, that's you mocked him fourth. Right. Uh, what? How big is the gap for you between him and Daniels at three? Yeah, I, I have I have JJ McCarthy at QB four, and I'll be honest, I liked McCarthy a lot more than I thought I was going to. I, I watched. That seems him, to be the consensus I of guys that are like watching film on him, him this past summer. 
uh, for summer scouting. And I was like, man, this guy is far from what you need him to be to be an NFL quarterback. In 2022, his first year as a starter, it's, it was kind of the same story. Like, Michigan doesn't really demand a lot of him. They didn't right. do that this year. They didn't do that last year. But even last year, the pocket presence was not great. He did not have a good feel for pressure. He was falling for all, all sorts of sim pressures, really didn't identify things post-snap. He was late to get to his reads. And so 2022, I was like, man, this guy is pretty far away from being an NFL quarterback. This year, all of those things got better. Now, not to say that they were perfect, but when all of those things improved the way that we saw from him this year, plus a lot more confidence as well, that makes me think, all right, you're one of the younger prospects in this class. You have two years of starting experience for a heralded quarterback coach in Jim Harbaugh. You understand a baseline of what it takes to run an offense that looks like an NFL offense. We can build off of that. And that makes me think this is a guy that you take in the first round. When you take into account the arm talent that he has, it's not like a crazy elite arm, but it's a good arm. As long as he can get bigger and stronger, I think the arm can get a little bit faster, a little bit more powerful. He's got that added mobility to him. So I like J.J. McCarthy a decent amount. He is somebody that I would absolutely take. I, I would be comfortable with him at the back end of the first round, but we know that that's not how the NFL works. Right. You need a quarterback. You're probably going to take one. The teams need a quarterback. Guess where they pick? In the top 15. So I think he'll probably end up going top 15, <laughs> winning it all said and done. And I do like that investment. I really do. So, look, if you got to plop him in there week one and start him in the NFL, yeah, he's probably going to struggle. He's just not used to being that commanding presence of an offense where Michigan didn't ask him to throw the ball a ton. They just asked him to be a really good game manager. And I know game manager – People hate that word. Like people think that that means you can't right. play, but that's they, just kind they of, want a title. He managed just fine. And 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 I think that his arm is more capable of being that potential takeover type of passer in certain situations when you need him to be. Maybe not again. Maybe not week one of his rookie year. Right. But I think that he can get there. So you know when it comes to the gap between him and Daniels or May, when I went through film, it's very clear to me that Caleb is tier one. He is, he is the number one quarterback in this class. I also thought that it's very clear that Drake May is QB2. Okay, we'll circle back to him in a second. And then I have Jaden Daniels after him and then J.J. McCarthy. And honestly, like, Jaden might be closer to McCarthy than I think that he is to May. But it doesn't seem like everybody in the NFL agrees with me there. So it seems like those opinions are kind of all over the place. But I don't believe it's this oh, if Washington does not get one of either Drake May or Caleb Boy- or uh, Drake May or Jaden Daniels, there's no chance that they're going to draft any other quarterback. I think there's a lot of really good ones in this class. So let's – you're not the first person to sit in that chair and say that, uh, which I feel like is a very – that being that uh, McCarthy is closer to Daniels than Daniels is to May, um, that, that Drake really seems to have buffered himself number two. Like he's behind so. Caleb, but he is definitively ahead of Jaden. And there was a lot of Jaden Daniels momentum uh, building there for a couple weeks after the season. And it made sense. Like, he was the Heisman Trophy winner. He, he was awesome to close out the year. Um, and, like, frankly, his tape is – there's really good stuff on it. Like, yes. he plays on time a lot. Like, he's decisive with the football. The running stuff is insane. You're talking May or you're talking Daniels? Daniels. Yeah. Like, the deep ball stuff. He's the best deep ball thrower in the class. Uh, and and that stuff good, is He has some good guys to throw to. Yeah. He has some good it, guys certainly. to throw to. But, like – there's times those dudes are running wide open and he hits them in stride. Yeah. And like that's uh, yeah. all you can ask yeah, for on those take throws. Yeah, take it away from him for sure. So like there's that on tape, but then there's the stuff that Drake has on tape, which is equally as good. And there's some bad stuff with him, but there's some bad stuff with Daniels too. Why do you think though, as, as people have dived deeper into this process, that that gap seems to be widening 
on the kind of the consensus two being May versus, you know, Daniels having momentum a couple of weeks ago? I think first and foremost, May's got a better arm. Like, very clearly, I think he has a better arm. I think he's got better velocity on his throws. I, can, I think he can comfortably throw with distance um, more better than, than Jaden can. Not that Jaden can't hit the deep ball. I think that Jaden's arm is plenty adequate for the NFL level. But I think Mays is even, like, a step above that, especially when it comes to velocity. Like the velocity I've heard the Herbert comp. Is that fair? Is yeah, it too much? Yeah, I mean, I mean it's... <sighs> Because Herbert, Herbert will throw darts through people. It's, it's hard to say that right now because Herbert is viewed as a top-five quarterback in the league. And so right. there are things that May has to improve upon. I think that he's way too inconsistent. But if you go back to what Justin Herbert was coming out of Oregon, I think it's fair to comp what Drake May is right now versus okay. what Justin Herbert was and, and in terms coming of arm of talent, yes. he's there? Yes. Okay. I, I, I think that... Herbert's arm is probably a little bit better, but I do think that May has a fantastic arm, specifically when it comes to a lot of the tight window throws from 10 to 19 yards, that intermediate part of the field. Mm. To the sideline, he's able to rip those throws all the way in between coverages. If the corner's in a shallow zone, if the uh, safeties are in a deep zone, He's able to hit that hole between that coverage very, very quickly, very, very easily with a ton of pace to it. And also, there's no doubt about it, May is the most experienced, intermediate, middle-of-the-field thrower of any quarterback in this class. Okay. He has the most big-time throws of anybody from 10 to 19 yards over the middle of the field between the numbers. He has the most attempts, the most dropbacks. He, I mean, he is just not afraid at all of throwing over the middle. And when you have a guy who is comfortable and experienced and successful throwing over the middle, it unlocks so much of what you can do with the rest of your passing offense. Because a lot of guys here in this league, like for example, Michael Penix is somebody who I really like Michael Penix's arm. He does not have a lot of experience throwing over the middle. They just don't ask him to do it at Washington. And when you are primarily this outside the numbers type of a thrower, sure, a lot of your throws are high difficulty and, and they're great throws, but if you don't make the defense keep you honest over the middle of the field, I mean, you are allowing them to just hone in on that side of, of, of the field and, and using the, the, the boundary as a defender. And so I just think that May's ability and comfort level, confidence, attacking over the middle of the field does not get talked about enough, even when it's between just him and Daniels. I think he does it in a better way. If you were to pick a like someone else in the quarterback room with a Drake May, let's say it's Washington, like – do you, how much would you value like going and signing a veteran? Because this again gets into the other, I think, interesting discussion of the week here of like, what do you do with Hal? Right? You just have three yeah. quarterbacks in the room. Yeah. Do you trade him? Like whatever. Like it, it. One, do you need someone who can start week one because Drake isn't ready? Two, how much would you value? I know this might be hard for you because you, I don't think, have had a chance to uh, interview Drake May in a combine style or right. whatever interview. And this is something that they're gonna have to get out of it. But yeah. like, in terms of the projection, the best you can. Is he ready to start week one? And would you like be really, really looking for another veteran quarterback to put in the room with him? I think he can start week one, especially because he started for the last two years at UNC. So he's got two full years as a starter. And it, let's face it, if you're taking him at number two overall, I mean, he's, he's going to start week one. I mean, that's probably. probably just the way that it is. I think you're in a situation where you could start Sam early on, but you know that's not a great environment for Sam knowing that you just drafted a quarterback number two overall knowing that the only reason why you're getting the starting nod to start the year is just because ah let's give how or let's give uh, let's give May a little bit of time that's not a great environment for how I don't think it's a great environment to probably showcase his best stuff he probably won't be that motivated and uh 
and and that's not like nothing against him. Like it's it, that that ultimately creates a really tough situation for him. So I think if if your plan is to draft a quarterback at number two, and if it's if it's Drake May at number two, in a perfect world, I don't know if the timelines would line up for this. You probably go get maybe some kind of a veteran, and then honestly, you probably try to trade Sam because he's coming yeah. off a year where if Washington didn't have the number two overall pick, let's say that they had a pick that was middle of the first round. You're probably rolling into next year with Sam Howell as your starting right. quarterback. If he had played right? well enough that they were there, then right. like, right. yeah, that's the thing. They, he just was so, and I don't think this is all on him by any stretch, they were just so bad down the stretch right. that they, right. that they right. played them way out of Sam into the number two pick. And I think that, I think that you can convince a team to give you a draft pick certainly higher than the one that it took you to draft him. Right. For a trade either before or after the draft. You know, a team that needs a quarterback that didn't that wasn't able to get one night one of draft night, you could probably trade Sam Howell to them for thir- a third, a fourth round pick, something like that from what he showed last year. And if you keep him and start him week one just to then give his job to May, I, I, I don't know if he'll play well enough to actually keep that trade value that high. Right, and so. what happens if he's good? Like that, and, and that's like a good problem to have, but that's a problem. Like if right, he goes out and right, plays well, it's right. like and I just drafted his kid number two, that. and now and I now don't what? think they want that. Yeah, yeah, no, it seems like a less than a suboptimal situation. Yeah, uh, which has you know kind of been the norm at quarterback, but we don't need to dig up old wounds. Uh, Trevor Sikama, Pro Football Focus, with us for another few minutes here on the Hoffman Show. Uh, with a man of your uh, deep draft knowledge, I'd be remiss if I did just talk quarterback in this number two pick. So, um, the tackle class. What is the diff? Like, if we're trying to make predictions of things that we think are 100% true right now, Washington has those top five, you know, or five top 100-ish picks, Yeah. right? I feel very confident in saying I would be surprised and I don't. I guess I could just go there. But they are not going to pick at those five spots. They're going to package something and move somewhere in the first three rounds, right? So, what's the difference tackle-wise between, and maybe even defensive end-wise, between the end of the first round and the beginning of the second? In other words, if they were to try to package 36 and 40 to trade back up to, I'm just throwing out a random number here. I don't even know who the team is. 23, 22. What kind of player are we talking about at 23, 22 at either tackle or edge versus? two players at 36 and 40 yeah I think um for tackle I think that it would be more of a drop-off than edge because I think around the top 20 you're talking about guys like Tyler Guyton Amarius Mims JC Latham uh, maybe a Jordan Morgan type of a player like those guys I think are now in play if you trade up somewhere between 20 and 25 to get an offensive tackle that can really, really help you out. I think Tyler Guyton's a really great guy to invest in. Um, I was a little skeptical after watching his film just because it's all over the place, but he's such a good athlete, and I watched him in Mobile. He is a competitor, man. I mean, like, this is du- this is a dude who wanted to go up against the best every single practice. He was so pumped up every time that he had a rep that was good, and he was also pumped up when he had a rep that was bad. Like, you could tell like, he was motivated. Like, he was pissed. He couldn't wait back – he couldn't wait to get back out there for another one-on-one to kind of like prove himself and get a better rep out there. So uh, highly competitive dude, really liked the fact that a team could invest in him to be a starting offensive tackle. I think the same could be said for Marius Rims and G.C. Latham that, that I mentioned there. The drop-off to tackle, though, if you get into that second round, yeah, there's some 
offensive tackles, but a lot of these guys are kind of like these tweener players that might have been tackles that are probably going to get kicked inside, like Troy Fanton now from from uh, from Washington, Graham Barton from Duke, uh, yeah. maybe Kieran Amagaji from from Yale. Like these are guys who played tackle who might be better on the interior. So to me, if you need an offensive tackle, if you're looking to package one up to get into that first round, that's a good spot to do that. Defense end, I think there's a handful of edge rushers that you could really like at the beginning of the second round um, that. I don't think that you would have to trade up into the first round to think, oh, wow, we're really missing out on this guy because a Chop Robinson, an, uh, an Adiza Isaac, both those guys from Penn State, uh, Jonah Ellis from Utah, um, you know, like just, just, just players like that where I think those guys could be available at the top of the second round where you'd be fully happy with that and they could be starting caliber um, edge players and you just you don't have to trade up for those kinds of guys all right last thing for trevor sycamore i'm asking all the draft guys this question forget round value whatever just straight up you're flipping through the tape and you're like i want to watch someone the last three players have sucked i want joy in my life <laughs> who is your favorite player in this draft oh man there's there's a lot of guys that that i have really really enjoyed watching in this draft the cornerback group especially has been so much fun for me to watch, and uh, I'll take the guy that I seem to be higher on than, than a lot of other people. I'll say Cooper DeGene, the cornerback from Iowa. His tape is just a joy, man. I mean, whether they line him up outside, whether they put him close to the slot, he'll come up and tackle a running back. He'll come up and tackle a, a tight end. He'll lock down an outside wide receiver. If they play him a little bit further in off coverage, almost like this like way off either cover three or quarters assignment, He'll perfectly time out the space that he has between the receiver. He'll bait the quarterback. He'll make a he'll make a break on the ball. He'll get an interception. He's had a ton of interceptions over the last couple of years, and he turns into an incredible playmaker once he gets the ball in his hands. So um, I see the smile on your face. Like this, this is genuine right now. I mean, I, I get, love this dude. Kid. I I I've, I've comped his game to the way that Jalen Ramsey has been used in the NFL at times as like this ultimate chess piece of like, yeah. hey, is it most advantageous for you to play in the slot this week? That's what we're gonna do. Is it most advantageous to play outside? Okay, there you go. Is it most advantageous for you to play on the back end and take away a lot of their deep shot stuff? Okay, there we go. And so it's like that kind of a football player gets me really, really excited. So I think Dejean is awesome. Unfortunately, he's not working out because of a leg injury that he suffered in the season. I think he'd be great here in Indianapolis. So we'll have to wait to see his athletic numbers at his pro day. But he's somebody who the cornerback class has been great overall, but he is somebody who I watched, and I gave him a top 10 grade. He's a top 10 player for me and somebody wow. that, uh, that I absolutely love. All right, that's Trevor Sycamore, Pro Football Focus. Of course, read him on PFF's website. Uh, he's all over their podcasts. And uh, every once in a while, I look up, and I, I see that beard and well-manicured hair on NFL Network, too. I appreciate you getting that, TV it, stuff. It's always a good time. I, I love I love chopping it up with those guys. They're fantastic. They obviously covered the league so, so well, yeah. so it's always great to link up with them. Trevor Sycamore, everybody. More from Radio Row next here on The Hoffman Show.